0: Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. This is episode 80 of the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum, and today we're going to have a conversation around youth pastor compensation with Dan Navarra. Dan's actually been on the podcast a couple times before. The first time we talked about youth pastor compensation with Dan was on episode 38 back in 2019, and uh, lots of things have changed. And so we're going to have kind of revisit that conversation here three years later with Dan and see, see what's changed, see from all his research and, and gatherings from a lot of different youth pastors and youth workers across the country, he's been gathering information and has some great results to share with you and some encouragements as well. So if you've had questions around salary and anything to do with compensation, today is the day you want to take some notes and make sure you check out all Dan's research He was also on episode 65 with the co-founder of Chemistry Staffing, Matt Steen. So if you have any questions around church staffing in general, 65 is one to also check out. But today we're going to talk to Dan about all things youth pastor compensation. So like I said, I hope you're ready to take some notes and uh, also follow up with Dan on all his research. Before we jump into that, I want to encourage you to make sure you are following us on social media. Make sure you are subscribed, make sure you're sharing with other youth workers out there who need to hear these conversations. That's just a huge thing for us. And if you like what you hear, be sure to leave a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Also, before we jump into this conversation, we need to thank the sponsor of this episode of the student ministry podcast. G Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. There's several options to fit everyone with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $16 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $25 a month. And do you want an affordable youth ministry video curriculum that can help you increase your online reach during this pandemic? G-Shades has you covered for $36 a month you will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. G-Shades really sets itself apart by helping students see the gospel applies to every life situation that is out there. And if you want to find out more about Mike Haynes, the founder of G-Shades, you can check out episodes 32 and 55 of the Student Ministry Podcast. So go ahead and head over to gshades.org to download season three of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum and be sure to use the promo code T-S-M-P-O-D, for The Student Ministry Podcast, at checkout to get an extra 10% off. G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G and use the promo code T-S-M-P-O-D. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. You can find the link for G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Thanks so much, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of The Student Ministry Podcast. All right, now it's time to jump into this conversation with Dan Navarra as we talk about Youth Pastor Compensation and also a little about his newest role at National Christian Foundation. Well, Dan, thanks so much for being back on the podcast today.
1: It is so good to be back with you guys. I'm excited to talk to you, Steve, about everything we got going on this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So some of some people have been listening to the podcast for a while and they they know a little bit about your story from previous episodes that you've been on. But uh for those that are brand new or maybe you know you can catch up catch us up on uh, some of the new things that have been happening in your life uh over the last uh several months or years. Yeah. So
1: uh, for the last 15 years I've been in vocational full-time ministry, uh mostly with students, uh and kind of done that for a while. And then the pandemic hit and uh I left my church in December of 2020 um i at the same time have been working with chemistry staffing as a church coach which is a fancy way of stay, saying that we help churches hire people we're a, a headhunting organization um and then i've also been doing some writing for christianity today uh i i contribute to church law and tax and church salary so just i write for this for subscription um Uh, in this area of compensation and taxes and things like that. And what I've kind of done in the last year or so is kind of taken a hard look at ministry and where my gifting and my passions lie. And I found a way to do ministry uh, with an organization that's not a church. I'm now the newest area director for National Christian Foundation in California, Uh, We're a nationwide company, but I'm part of the California chapter and I'm the Central Valley area director now for them. And what I, what that means is I get to help wealthy, generous Christians be more generous, Our company helps people with tax-leveraged and tax-efficient giving solutions, and it's right right up my alley of helping people be generous for the kingdom of God so that, you know, Steve, you as a youth pastor don't ever have to sit in a staff meeting ever again and go, man, this is a great idea, but we ain't got no money for it. So my my, my goal is to solve that problem for uh, churches, and uh, I'm excited about that. I'm going to keep doing the chemistry staffing thing. I'm going to keep doing the Christianity today thing. Those are kind of side hustles for me. And therefore the survey will not go away this year. Mm -hmm. I will be doing the survey again this year. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Our church is right in the middle of our our budgeting process and and the whole time through it. I'm like, well, I hope we have the money for all these things I'm hoping to do. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's people like you and this new organization that you're with is it's really, really exciting. Um, Probably, not a whole lot that, uh, I mean, the typical youth pastor is not going to fall into your category of uh, a wealthy Christian. Um, there's probably some exceptions out there, but uh, <laughs> but most of us are not there. So how can, as a youth pastor, what's, what's some ways for us to benefit from what you're going to be doing?
1: Yeah, I think the the largest thing. So I work with the donors like significantly more, like 95% of the time I'll be working with donors, meaning people from your congregation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I won't be working with ministries or people who benefit from ministries specifically. My job is to get dollars from donors into ministries hands and NCF, National Christian Foundation, is the vehicle with which we do that. Um, Where I will be able to help certain people who might be listening to this podcast is Uh, If you have like parents who own a business and they're selling off their business and they're going to transfer or maybe you're going to buy into the business or something like that. Or uh, you have people from your congregation who have what we call uh, complex assets that they're trying to liquidate. um, We can help them make those uh, liquidations less painful on the tax side of things so that they're not paying all these long term capital gains taxes Uh, or significantly less numbers of that. So, you know, if you're selling off a rental property or your parents are selling off a rental property and uh, they don't want to give it all to the government, they want to give it to a ministry uh, or the local church or, you know, Young Life or whatever, uh, we can help facilitate those difficult uh, transfers of wealth. And so, yeah, I I would always be willing to talk to any of your listeners who think that might be helpful for them.
0: Cool. Cool. And uh, yeah, speaking of talking to listeners, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I need to actually um, create a real, an actual bat signal. Cause I think every time I, uh, I see some, some people asking questions and, uh, some of the youth ministry groups I'm in I just like pop that bat signal up and tag, tag Dan in it. And like, Dan is an expert in all things, compensation, all things, uh, taxes and all that stuff for ministries. So did yeah. you ever, did you ever foresee yourself? Like when you're starting on a ministry, going this direction as, as the finance side of things always been a passion or is that kind of a growing thing?
1: You know what it grew out of? It grew out of me watching churches struggle to not only pay their employees, but they weren't paying attention to what I call dashboard lights on their, you know, you're driving down the road and your, your air pressure light comes on. It's like ignoring it. Like, and so churches will be going year to year on ministry and they're like, ah, giving's down 3%. No big deal. Well, no, that's a dashboard light. It might mean it's not a big deal today, but if you don't put air in your tire, eventually it's going to jack your rim up or you're going to wear the tire down funky or your gas mileage is going to go down or you're going to get a car accident. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I watched churches struggle with dashboard lights and how to talk about them in a way Mm -hmm. that is healthy and transparent. And, uh, that doesn't, you know, over disclose personal information, but also recognizes like Hey, like especially in my state, man, minimum wage has gone up $5 an hour in the last 5 years. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be talking about what people make, otherwise or what they don't make. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just going to end up in a car accident, you know, financially so to speak. And so yeah. that watching churches struggle with this is what led me to care about it, and I've always had a a natural, I guess I would say eye towards um efficiency and wanting to eliminate waste and things like that. And so like I could look at a church budget, you know, maybe it's uh, say it's a $2 million church budget and I can go, well, here's some creative ways to chop some money here and save some money here because we need that money over here for mm. personnel, quote unquote, or whatever the, whatever the needs are. So that's yeah. always been something that I've had a knack for. And, and my passion grew for it because I realized a lot of people weren't comfortable even having the conversations. Mm. they, because there's a stigma. I mean, you get this man as a youth yeah. pastor. There's a stigma. If you're going to go ask for a thousand dollars for something that's not on the budget, yep. it better be worth it. Right. Yep. We, we've we been trained to find it for free or don't ask. Yep. And, and so, you know, and that's not how the real world operates. Right. The real mm-hmm. world is like, we can raise costs or we mm-hmm. can trim back payroll or we can not, you know, if I'm a restaurant, I can raise prices. Like, and so it, it's just a different economy within the kingdom of God, quote unquote, where God owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills and wherever our heart is, uh, there are tre- or wherever our treasure is, there our heart is also. We've got this weird economy that we've built of uh, it better be really important if you mm-hmm. need the money because right. it's God's money. And the reality is no, 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 It It, it doesn't have to be that, that simple and dictated. Yeah. I hope that makes yeah. sense.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it. Yeah. Just as you, as you mentioned that it was like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, I got to pitch, you know, this idea that like, I want to build a really nice gaga pit outside of our church so that we can have a great you know experience there, but it's not going to be cheap. I'm like, how do I pitch this in the right way? Because, you know, this could mean, you know, all those different things and you have to pitch it the right way and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, that's a very real thing for us. For sure. Totally. So you've been doing this uh, youth pastor compensation sur- report and survey for how long now?
1: This is year five. year five. Can you believe yeah. it, man? For year, five years ago, I walked into my boss's <laughs> office and I was like, I need a raise and he's like, prove it. And I, so I put a Google form up in the download youth ministry, Facebook group and had 800 people fill it out in a 24 hour time period. And I was like, Oh, I touched a button. Yeah. And, uh, so I formalized it and I've started, I started publishing it with the youth cartel back then. Mark ostriker has been a friend and an encouragement and an editor on this project now for five years. And, uh, now we've brought it under the chemistry staffing umbrella as part of my work that I do with them. And I've incorporated Aaron Hill from Christianity Today, mm-hmm. as well as an advisor and analyst on it. And it's like, I'm really proud of what we put together this year. I, it's the most robust, comprehensive survey I've ever done. Not mm-hmm. the most people that I've ever surveyed, but uh, we're almost 5,000 words on this year's survey, which is like twice as long as last year's analysis was. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, free.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 just looking through, I mean, just, from my perspective, yeah, this is the most professional it's looked as well. Like the report at the end, it was like, man, this is, this is legit now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll pass it along to our team. I had no, I had no say in the design work, so there you oh, go. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, so we've talked in the past a few different times on, on this podcast around the re, the report and and what you're seeing, the trends, and all that sort of thing. So, I'd love to just kind of walk through some of the highlights this year. Like you said, people can grab that for free um, and and read the entire thing, and and hopefully, I know your goal with that is really to put those tools in people's hands, just like they were in your hands, so yeah. that you can actually go and have those conversations that need to need to take place
1: yeah it gives it gives people a leg to stand on rather than saying hey i think i need a raise or i think i deserve a raise or how do i even like broach that this is like the starting spot uh, of being able to walk into your boss's office with a stack of paper that actually kind of gives a compelling case without you having to really open your mouth a lot so let's let's walk through a couple things Sure. The first big idea: uh, the average salary for a youth pastor in 2021 was fifty thousand two hundred sixty-one dollars. We finally cracked fifty thousand as a national average. Uh, woohoo! <laughs> it is only a one percent increase over the year prior, and what raises? I'm sorry. The average salary has risen every single year I've done the salary, which is good news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not staying static. But what I will say is unlike two years ago where the uh, increase was similar to the cost of living national number um, this year, we did a little deeper dive into inflation because everybody's feeling that mm-hmm. gas, you know, the price of an in and out burger out here on the West coast is going up. Um, oh, yeah, no. I know, but it's still, it's still the best though. It's fine. <laughs> it's worth it. But uh, you just have to ride your bike to go get the in and out burger instead of taking <laughs> your car so that you can afford it. Um but so the the national inflation numbers were a little bit staggering. They are anywhere from four point six to six point one percent, depending on what sector you look at. This last year, mm. so like think like this. Let's just take an average of we'll say five percent is the inflation number, uh, meaning like the cost of milk went up five percent, the cost of gas went up five percent. These are everyday items that people buy. That's that's a really high number of inflation, and everybody would agree with that. But youth pastor salaries only went up one percent, and so what that tells you is, what it feels like is even though you got a raise, you really got a four percent pay cut, is what it feels like. Like mm. your cell phone bill might have gone up, or your cost of cable or electricity, and you're, some people are like they're getting a pit in their stomach right now, going, "Oh my gosh, mm. I got a I got a two percent raise this year and thought I was stoked, giving right. me an extra couple hundred bucks a month, and actually your life cost on average went up more than that." So. That's the, that, and that's the first year that the numbers have been that disappointing in terms of raises for youth pastors, and how they relate to the national numbers for cost of living increase and in inflation. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
0: Totally, yeah. And are you thinking that, like, I know you don't really dive too deep into like the reasons behind it, but kind of speculate a little bit, like, why? Why do you think that is the case? Is it just because giving is down, like churches just can't afford to get those raises, or what do you think? So-
1: So I've written extensively about this, both for chemistry and for church law and tax and church salary. I don't think it's because giving is down because frankly, charitable giving is not down in 2021. Now I'm recording this in March of 2022. And uh, I wrote an article last fall that um, gave some dashboard lights to use that term again, to pay attention to because a lot of people, what happened was COVID hit and all this um, bailout money came into people, you know, whether they wanted it or not. A lot of people who had wealth, they, they actually stepped up their giving in the pandemic because hmm. they knew that other people were going to lose jobs and things like that. Uh, the church I worked at at the time, I mean, we had somebody come in and write a large check the week that the world shut down and just said, here, we think you're going to need it. Wow. And, and, and they did. But what it did was it skewed the giving overall for the mm. church. And, and that's a dashboard like that some people aren't paying attention to in their churches. And so I said things like this. I a lot of churches depend on end of year giving to meet their budget goals, like December mm-hmm. giving. And I, I said, if your end of year giving is down more than five to 10% of what it was in 2018 or 19, uh, look at that as a selling sign that you're going to struggle in the first quarter of the next year. And I saw some churches... Uh, i i I saw a church just a couple of weeks ago who said we're actually down twenty percent in mm. year-to-date giving this calendar year wow and so what's happening is there was a really large delay in the giving drop and everybody saw that coming right there was like nobody lost their job the week that the world shut down well a few mm. people did but for the most part everybody kind of was like furloughed or yeah. we don't know what to do don't come to work we'll keep paying you right mm-hmm. and you know i'm not talking about the restaurant worker i'm talking about the person who's got a salaried role you know teachers even like none of them were furloughed they were all paid right mm-hmm. police officers were paid everybody was paid still and so now all of a sudden you're seeing uh economies be really affected by uh the lack of support you know or the support that we were living off of is disappearing and uh, you're just seeing the effects of it kind of have a delay. They call it delay wave. Mm. And so uh, I think in 2022, you're going to see giving really go down as the economy reopens and people go, oh, I don't, I need to like, like out in California, my wife and I own a small business and our costs have gone uh, like the cost. We, we own a cheese and meat shop and the cost of cheddar cheese doubled in the last mm. 12 months. We can't pass that cost along to our clients. They won't show up. Yep. And so we're taking a loss in profit is what mm. we're doing. Mm. and those are things that I think everybody's having to deal with, and it's going to affect charitable giving this year for, for churches. Um, so I, I expect it to not get better this Mm. year. I, I, and the world's getting more expensive.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. And I think it kind of plays into, I know you spent a, a more of a significant time, um, talking about, part-time youth pastors this year, which I almost kind of feel like there's probably going to be more of because churches can't afford to necessarily pay them a full-time salary. So more of us are going to have to be tent makers. I, I, I have said many times whenever
1: anybody's asked, I believe the rise of the hourly youth pastor is coming hmm. because salary exemption laws, especially in California, but this is every uh, New York, Florida, it's happening everywhere. Um, you're going to see more and more hourly youth pastors, just like a store clerk or somebody else. And people are like, how can I do my job hourly? Well, you're going to do it very similar to how your kids pastor probably does because many kids pastors are hourly mm. And that's because they don't have the evening activities. They don't have the same amount of overnight activities. They don't go on the mission trips. They're just there uh, during program times to run program. And then they do their prep in office hours. You're going to see pressure from churches to have youth pastors fall in that same kind of model as wage, mm. as wage increases continue to happen, unless charitable giving rises. Mm. Um, I, I've said many times, I think it's the end of summer camp. Mm. Summer camp is going to become a, a, a dinosaur because one, the cost of summer camp is going up. Everybody knows that. But two, it's hard to pay a youth pastor an hourly wage to go to summer camp because they're getting 18 hours of overtime every, every day, right? Time right. and a half. Yeah. And so you're going to see a lot of churches and we're already seeing large churches do this. They're going to run youth conferences. We're going to bring camp to our empty camp, Mm. to our empty campus one week of the summer. And we're going to bring in speakers and bands and go-karts and climbing walls. And we're going to bring summer camp to our parking lot. Mm. That's going to, you're going to see the rise of that. And what that really is, is it's VBS, (laughs) but it's for teenagers. And I think it's a great model. I think it's a great model. You cut overhead and it sucks for the Christian camps, but like, it's it's a win 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 for the churches. You can actually do a better product where people sleep in their own beds at the end of the day. It's easier on your staff, easier on your volunteers. It's and you get to use your big empty building. Like that's a win for everybody. So anyway, sure.
0: yeah, so we digress. Wait, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to think about. What else did you guys? What did you guys find out about um, part time when you let, dove into this? Yeah, let,
1: let me give you the just the the thirty thousand foot view. Uh, the average. Part-time youth pastor works a little under 25 hours a week, and they earn, this is nationwide, a national average of just under $15 an hour, okay? Hmm. Uh, it comes to just, you know, it's a hair under $19,000 a year is what the average part-time youth pastor makes. Two-thirds of all part-time youth pastors reported being bivocational, meaning Two thirds of them work another full time job and then they're a part time youth pastor on the side. The other ones, uh, you know, the other third are just part time youth pastors and that's their kind of primary gig. They don't consider Hmm. themselves bivocational. Um, Let's see, what else can I tell you about that? yeah. Let's stop there with, my, with, let's stop there with part-time. It, sure. it, there's a big, there's a whole page in the, in the actual survey on part-time. So if you're part-time, go download the the survey and uh, check out the full page kind of of data.
0: Cool. Cool. So um, I know you also dove into nights off and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was something to look at. What did you gain from that?
1: Yeah. And what that came from was uh, the pandemic changed the work schedule for everybody. Uh, how many youth pastors became sound people and video editors and tech guys <laughs> and, hey, you're producing church and all that. I mean, it happens to online a lot of pastor, people.
0: Online Exa- pastors. And
1: exactly, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. so uh, I wanted to look at hours worked and how many nights a week somebody's out for youth ministry. Um, and the, that was pretty interesting to me. There is, you know, 10% of youth pastors are working more than 55 hours per week. 19 of them are doing, so one in five, are working more than 45 hours per week only. And and another one in five are working right at 40 hours a week. Um, Half of youth pastors are out at least two nights a week. Half but only a third are out one night a week. I was a one mm-hmm. night, a, I was a high school pastor. So I only had program one night a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, our junior high pastor had program at the same time. We had two pastors. That's rare though, for mm-hmm. churches that have youth ministries, a lot of them, Hey, Tuesday nights, junior high, Wednesday nights, high school, or Thursday nights, college, young adults, um, or, or you're required to be in a small group another night of the week. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some people who are doing four or five nights a week away from their family doing ministry activities. And that's before they go to somebody's volleyball game or band rehearsal right. or whatever else kind of things that we do, staff meetings and all that kind of stuff. And the reason I put this piece in this year's survey results is I, if you're out there and you're like, man, I'm burning the candle on both ends and my family misses me and I miss my family or, or even not that, like, you just feel like I'm working too much that section might help you have a conversation with your boss to say, Hey, you know, I'm paid as an average youth pastor, but I'm having above average workload. Like that's a kind of statement that you can start a conversation with. And that's why I want to put it in there this year.
0: Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. I think that's, and if you, I, I, I think on, on top of that, you probably need, like, I knew I need someone like that. my wife has been that person for me to like remind me, Hey, you can't be out that many nights a week. If you, if you are, then like, you need to have those conversations and make sure things change. So I would say on top of this, this data, make sure that you have someone in your life that can get you back you up on that and make sure that they're holding you accountable because it is, it's hard to to survive. if You're burning the candle both ends. Like you said,
1: it's really difficult to use that. Do not disturb thing on your iPhone. (laughs) Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, unless it's the super bowl, I say the Super Bowl, Super Bowl for youth pastors is like week before camp, week before a mission trip. Unless it's the Super Bowl, when you're home, be home. <laughs> yep. yep. Like if somebody gets in a car accident or you know you get called to the hospital in the middle of the night, the church will get a hold of you. Somebody will get a hold of you. You don't have to have your phone on just in case. It's yep. not how it's. Those days are gone. They really are.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally. So so yeah. So you dove into some big factors that are affecting the compensation. Um yeah, this, What are what are some of those? Most-
1: this is the meat and potatoes of the, of the survey this year, Steve, because there's a common misconception among the youth ministry community that the two biggest factors that affect my compensation are my level of experience or my tenure um, and my education. We think those are the two things that affect our compensation the most. And I'm here to tell you they affect it. And we'll talk about them in a second, but they're not the biggest factors. Mm. The biggest factors that affect youth pastor compensation is size of church and general fund giving. Now, I just used some technical terms. I wanted to define them. General fund giving is your church's annual budget. Okay, so if you have a one million dollar annual budget for your church of five hundred people, okay. Um, you will make a certain amount of money. I can pretty much guarantee it. Um, Once you get over a million dollars and over a thousand people, compensation goes up dramatically. Qualifications don't among Hmm. the youth pastor community. There are plenty of less than five-year college graduate youth pastors working at mega churches of over a thousand people with over a million dollar budget. Hmm. They are paid like 15% more then guys at, and the guys and gals at smaller churches huh. that have smaller budgets, and so if you feel like you look at the survey and you analyze your own compensation you go hey i 'm underpaid." Well, my first question to you is, how big's your church and what 's their budget like hmm. because if you think you should get paid more, the answer is to probably find a bigger church unfortunately hmm. because small churches the only time they can afford to really pay a youth pastor well is when that youth pastor is the number two pastor. Hmm. Um, I worked at a church like this. It was a so we call them solo pastorate churches, and the church stretched their budget to hire a second pastor. That was me. I was the youth pastor, I was the worship pastor, I was the tech pastor, I was the assistant associate on call for hospital pastor. I did everything, mm-hmm. but my main priority was youth group, quote unquote. Um, and those churches typically pay their second pastor a little bit more but even still, you're not getting close to the niche roles that some larger churches that are running 10 plus staff members are going to pay. Mm -hmm. So those are the two biggest factors. And I get very technical in the survey results on like where the breaking points are for that. Um, My friend Aaron Hill from churchcelery.com actually used some of their next level analytic tools and figured out that the, the breaking point for churches is precisely 411 people in regular attendance and 816 thousand dollars of giving. Huh. After those numbers, the, the it's like a hockey stick. Uh, the the salaries go up dramatically versus they're only increasing at a slow rate up until those numbers. And so his conclusion is the fastest way to get a raise at a small church is to add families to the church. Hmm. Don't like you you have to grow your church past that magic 411. Person number. I rounded it. Uh, I found the biggest number was at a thousand, is where the increases became real substantial. But anyway, kind of interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting. So I think that's 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 kind of a hard stat though. Like at the same time to hear that, like if you feel like you're not called to go to a big church, but you're still struggling, like that's that may be a a really tough place to be in.
1: Well, and this is it's a classic problem, right? Because the there's the haves and the have nots. And the larger churches have more fat that they can trim when they need to trim it. Um, And the smaller churches don't. And that's, you know, Rick Warren's famous for saying many types of churches for many types of people, but the Barna study from several years ago that said one in five American churches is going to close their doors in the next five years. COVID put accelerant on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of a church up the street from us here in California who has taken over quote unquote two abandoned church campuses that are local to us in the last year. And they're, you know, they're, they're calling a multi-site satellites and things like that. That was a church that couldn't make it and closed. <laughs> and, and so the reality is that's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause bills are going up, but giving's not keeping up and, mm-hmm. uh, it's a reality that uh, churches are going to have to wrestle through and the churches that are larger that have staff members, for instance, you know, if you're a church with a $5 million budget, you probably have somebody on your staff whose job it is to generate generosity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's their job to meet with people who are looking to to make large donations. That's how you get building campaigns done, all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's an interesting phase in the history of the church that we're in right now. It really is.
0: For sure. And so you said the education and tenure don't play a huge role. They're not the main factors, but they're still, still are a role. Um, what kind of role are they playing?
1: Yeah. And this is not new information. I have said uh, for years now that education and tenure, so like stay in school and stay in one spot, they will serve you well in the long run. Um, the numbers are a little bit, especially for people who are like, Hey, maybe I'll go into youth ministry as an 18 year old high school kid. Um, 80, what is the number? I don't want to give a wrong number. 87.2% of all youth pastors, that's among both full-time and part-time, have completed at least a college degree. Nine hmm. out of 10 youth pastors have a degree. Hmm. Okay. That is uh, not the stat that it was 10 or 15 years ago. Hmm. Like it was not a requirement for many churches for you to have a degree. And uh, what churches have found is that it is now, it is a requirement. Um, So that's crazy to me. What's even more, this is not like are working towards a degree at junior college while they're working full-time. This is Mm -hmm. people who have a degree finished. 33% of all youth pastors uh, have finished their master's. Hmm. We'll talk about competitive space, right? Yeah. If you don't have a master's degree and five years of experience, you're not going to be probably, sorry, I'm saying it this way, you're probably not going to be compensated super well hmm. because you're not considered an above average qualified youth pastor. I don't, I'm not talking about your skill set right now, right? Natural yep. gifting is its own cup of tea, right? Sure. Um, but just in terms of what the data points to, hmm. it's hard to be a high-paid youth pastor if you don't have a master's and some experience.
0: Hmm. That's interesting.
1: So so if you're 26, 27, and you're married and you, or how about this? You start at 25 years old and you're single. You've got your college degree. You get married and you have a kid and you try and buy a house by the time you're 30. You've only been in youth ministry for five more years. Your salary is not going to keep up with those changes in your life. Hmm. It is not. It's just not. And that's why so many youth pastors have left youth ministry or they've taken a job down the street at a bigger church
2: Mm.
1: because that's the only way to get paid some of the time, unfortunately. And churches uh, have, the pendulum has swung to, we can't afford to do anything but pay that youth pastor. It's going to swing back though, because the job market is changing rapidly. A church of 150 people used to be able to put out their youth director, um, job description, and they were making $35,000 a year, and they'd get 50 applicants on churchstaffing.com. It's not that way anymore. The market is a candidate's market. Mm. And so churches are realizing now, if I have a candidate, this is true for youth and children's pastors, especially, and worship pastors. If I have a candidate who I like, it is going to be so much easier for me as a church to keep them by paying them more than it is to even overpaying them, quote unquote than it is going to be to try and replace them at the rate that they're being paid right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Churches are starting to realize that because they're doing searches and they're going, holy smokes, we've had this job posted for six months and we've had six people from Africa apply for it and four other people and none of them were qualified. Mm-hmm. Why, did we, why did we let this other person go over five or six grand? We should have found right. the money. Yep. People are starting to learn that reality and it's going to, it's going to swing the pendulum back. Mm. So I th- I think that those small church pastors are going to, f- if they're not, if the position's not going to get eliminated, they're going to get paid soon, mm. but it's a slow swinging pendulum. So that's good. Yeah. yeah,
0: Cause that, I remember, I think in, in previous conversations, that was one of the things that I think we talked about is, yeah, if you're in that place, one of those, <laughs> those, those determining factors, you could tell, talk to your, you know, elders or whoever you're talking to around uh, salary is that, yeah, do you like consider the fact that like bringing someone in is going to cost a whole lot more than keeping me and just raising my wage to what I should be, you know, getting paid in order to actually live here.
1: And and that assumes that you're good at your job, right? If you're not good at your job, all this goes out the window. But if you're doing a good job as a youth pastor or any other pastor for that matter, and money is the thing that might be driving you away, every church right now needs to hear what I'm saying. You got to find the bucks to keep that person. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I consulted for a church down the street here from me. And they asked me, what would you do with our staffing? I said, the first thing I'd do is I would lock up your kid's pastor Mm because that person's a rock star and they're hard to find right now. Mm -hmm. Like do what you got to do to keep them. Oh, you don't like that. They don't have a college degree. Pay for them to go get one. Like figure it out because that's the reality right now. College degrees. I'll give quick stats on this. College degrees are worth 16% more than high school diplomas. Master's degrees are worth another 10%. Hmm. But the numbers are shrinking. College degrees are catching up to master's degrees because wage increase is happening universally. Dep- doesn't matter what your qualifications are. Mm. So, whereas five or ten years ago, your master's degree would have been worth twelve to fifteen percent more than a college degree, now it's only worth ten percent more. Does mm. that make sense?
0: Totally. Yeah. So I know it's not just the the salary benefits is is a huge difference as well. What'd you find out right on benefits?
1: I I. I I've taken data on benefits every year in the survey, but I've never published any of it because the value of benefits is so individualized and random. Mm. Uh, It depends on how many kids you have in your family. Are you married? Are you not? You know, churches have different denominations and different rules. So what I did this year was I published a list of benefits and what percentage of youth pastors get those benefits. Okay, so that's helpful. Mm -hmm. But what I really did this year that I did differently than any other year is, I left a fill in the blank spot to ask about your church's maternity slash paternity leave policies. I said, if you if your church does or doesn't have a policy, tell me about it here. Mm-hmm. And I had two hundred and something responses of people who took the time to write out about their experience with maternity and paternity leave. And, um, I read every single one. Some of them were made me want to cry. These, uh, you know, we had our baby on Monday and I had to run youth group on Wednesday type stuff. Wow. I mean, unbelievable things. Um, you know, this person got to bring their kid to work, for years because they were working at the front desk, but nobody would let me bring my kid to work because I'm a pastor or I'm a youth coordinator and it's not a spot for a baby to be. And Mm. I mean, just all kinds of terrible um, horror stories. And here's what they amount to. A lot of churches don't have a written in their employee handbook. A lot of churches don't have an employee handbook. We'll start there. (laughs) But a lot of churches don't have a written policy for paid family leave mm. in their employee handbooks. And the ones that they do are, are, are archaic, mm. meaning they were written for uh, a different day and age. Maybe yeah. it's 40 or 50 years ago when the church was started and uh, your employees were all single income households and mom didn't have to go to work. Not, like Times mm-hmm. have changed, right? Yep. But the policies haven't. Mm. And so a lot of churches now have this some form of um, and and this is backed up by people's comments. Uh, some variation of, I, I, my wife and I found, or um, me and my spouse found out that we're pregnant. I'll make this uh, neutral on the gender, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female youth pastor. Um, we found out we were pregnant. I went and talked to the senior pastor. Senior pastor said, take some time, whatever you think you need. Some version of that, right? Mm-hmm. And what that does is it creates disparity among employees hmm. for one, because it's nothing official. So this person over here takes off a month, right? Um, and this person over here takes off two weeks and this person over here has to be back at work after a week. And this person over here has worked for the church for five years and they got a bunch of sick time banked up and they can use that. And it it creates this disparity of, oh, and then by the way, this kid over here was born and had to stay in the NICU for a month and a half. And so we, the church decided the elders voted to be generous, quote unquote. And so that person got a month and a half of paid time off, but I had to come back to work, even Mm. though like, you see where it gets really sticky and, and ugly. And so what I, what I encourage pastors to do and youth pastors, what I would encourage you to do is to start this conversation with your elder board or your senior pastor. If it's, if it's a reality, um, what I'm what I encourage executive pastors, senior pastors and elder boards to do is to have a more than generous written family leave policy Mm. and don't just cover birth, cover adoption, Mm. foster care, Mm. cover, cover, um, funerals and deaths in family with it. Um, and medical care for parents. Because mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is if you're a licensed ordained commission minister, meaning you get a housing allowance, which is most of your listeners, I'm guessing, Steve, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not, you don't qualify for all of the government programs that are associated with disability, with FMLA, all these other things, right? You're not entitled to anything mm-hmm. because your compensation is clergy compensation. Right. And so churches have to put in policies so that the secretary, you know, doesn't get treated differently just because they qualify for all these government pro- programs. Cause they're not clergy. Mm. It, it's really helpful. So here's what I tell churches have a generous policy where give them a month paid. That mm-hmm. doesn't count against their vacation. Doesn't count against their sick time. Like, like just give it to them as a gift because every church would say we value and care for families. Yeah, but, but when it comes to our employees' families, <laughs> yeah. we really don't because we need them to get here and run youth group. Yeah, and I'm calling the bluff on that and saying, listen, mm. listen, Linda. Like, <laughs> if you really care about your employees' families, give them that bonding time. Whether they're a mm. male youth pastor or a female youth pastor, kick them out of the office for a month. <laughs> tell them to turn off their email, turn off their cell phone, and spend time with their newborn baby. Mm. Because, and I and I have links to data in the survey saying it is. You only get one shot Mm. at having a one-month-old. Yep. And those those weeks and days are precious for Mm. bonding and the long-term effects they have on children. There's data scientifically to back it up. So Mm. if you really love families, go out of your way to be more than generous. Because here's the bottom line. In 99 out of 100 cases, it doesn't cost the church anything extra. Right. Those are payroll dollars that you're going to pay them whether they're going to do it or not. Find a few volunteers to run youth group and call it a day. Yep, You know, totally. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. I'm advocating for it loudly. I have publications coming out in several different places to champion this cause, because I think especially Gen Z employees are um, really concerned with this. And so mm-hmm. if your church is going to be hiring top talent in the next five to 10 years, that it's going to be Gen Z employees. Mm-hmm. They're going to be asking you during the interview process about your maternity and paternity benefits mm-hmm. because they're planning on starting families Yep, and benefits are king right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a business owner um, several years ago, and he was just giving me some tips. <laughs> Not that I was trying to run a business, but he's just very generous with tips and things like that. And really good at what he did, and uh, and he was saying one of the. Biggest things that he can do, and he was hopefully, hoping to influence the church in this way too, is to be able to increase benefits, especially those that don't even cost the church any money, like paternity leave, maternity leave, and things like that. Because all of a sudden, you make that employee so much happier, you're increasing their quality of life, all those different things, and it didn't cost the church very much money at all, or maybe nothing at all. In order to yeah. make that happen, and they're going to be such a much of a better employee because of that, because they know the church cares for them. Sabbaticals,
1: another one. Mm. Yeah. Churches that don't provide sabbaticals for their youth pastors the a recipe for burnout. Mm-hmm. Give them a summer off. Tell take the kids to summer camp and take the rest of the summer off. Come mm-hmm. back at school. Like, it, don't change their pay. Like, you know, you don't have to do any of that. The other one, I say, because um, this is usually a light item in a lot of churches' budgets: computers. Mm. Youth pastors now are producing their own media and the bottleneck oftentimes is their hardware mm. up buy, go buy your youth pastor, a $2,000 MacBook pro that'll last them five years easily. And they will be stoked to have mm-hmm. a new toy. Totally. That I mean, they, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like they will be stoked and they will feel so loved and so cared for like that buys you so much equity and it's in the budget normally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There you go. So let's talk about wage gaps. Um okay. I know one of the, the coolest things that I saw like is that the the wage gap between male and female at least is shrinking. It's getting closer. Um yeah, it's not where I, it needs let, to be yet. But yeah, let me let me explain that, that,
1: Steve. Let me explain that that specific statement. The wage gap is shrinking. Um I have data the last several years that substantiates that men and women who are entering the pastorate, meaning less than three years of experience are being paid apples to apples. Very similarly, the gap is very close um, within a couple percentage points mm-hmm. where it's not getting better is with women who are already in youth ministry. Um, and uh, maybe they've got 10 years experience and they are being paid significantly, like, like 15 to 20% less than their mm-hmm. male counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um And they're not any less qualified when in terms of tenure and education. And so, uh, you hopefully this survey, if you're in that boat where you're like, Hey, I've been in ministry over three years, I'm a woman. This, uh, information is something you can take to your board and say, Hey, I'm not being paid market value. If you take gender out of the equation. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the other piece of it that is a little bit disheartening is some of the denominational bodies that are the most egalitarian. Uh, I'm talking to you, Methodists, Mm. uh, you are the biggest champion for women in ministry, Mm. but you don't pay your women very well. Mm. And so, um, it's, like a little bit like catch twenty two, like yeah, we want female pastors, but we're not going to pay them very well. Mm. Uh, it's kind of kind of weird. Now, I will say the Presbyterians, Presbyterians, apples to apples, traditionally in my data, uh, pay very. It's, you wouldn't know what the what their gender is. Oh. Um, it's it's close. It's very like one year it was within like a hundred dollars. I think wow the average between male and female Presbyterian youth pastors, um, or youth directors, because most of them are not ordained and uh, mm-hmm. commissioned, so. Uh, there's a whole little um, there's a whole little chart in the survey that kind of goes through the denominations that uh, we ask about that have the most correspondences um, or the most responses. And uh, it just lists the, the gaps and uh, gives up an opportunity for churches to see that and go, you know what, do we want to stand in that gap? Mm. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't much care where you fall um, on the theological debate, egalitarian versus complementarian mm-hmm. women in ministry versus no women in ministry. Uh, Cause here's what I'll say. The Baptist churches that have female youth pastors pay them exceptionally, hmm. but most Baptist pastors are complementarian and they don't have female youth pastors, but there hmm. are a few that do. And those, those churches pay them well. So, hmm. and Baptists as a whole are paid well. So uh, I would just say it's uh, not a theological issue. Um, it's not a, sexuality issue. It is a livable wage issue. And the kind of the idea of, uh, you know, their husband is working so we can pay them less is a mm. stigma mm. that I denounce in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't pay somebody what you can pay them. You should pay them what they, they are. are worth. Um, <laughs> and if they don't need the money, they can give it right back to you as a charitable contribution. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Take that one to the bank. <laughs> And I yeah. hear that a lot from female candidates. I hear that a lot. Yeah. They go, well, my husband's got a great job, so I don't really need to make that much money. And I'm like, awesome. Take all of it and give it back to and them. Give it back. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Like if you don't need it, good. I'm all about generosity, but uh, you don't do anybody any service. This is like the, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. This is like a player's union mm. saying we have to renegotiate our labor contract because the owners are making too much money. <laughs> uh, you have to stand up for everybody else in the union, so to speak, Mm by saying, you know what, we're not going to hire, I'm not going to take less than market value for Mm -hmm. what I'm worth.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. It's good. Yeah.
1: It's hard to find those churches though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so Dan, as, as we wrap up, what, what's some encouragements that you have for the youth workers that are listening today? Um, Given this information, what can they do with it? And, uh, and how can they, you know, maybe increase their, their, their salary situation or speak up for themselves? What, what can they actually do with this?
1: Yeah. To, uh, two, two big things. One, I'd say every year, one will be new this year. The first one is have an annual review with your superior, with your boss and ask for a raise every year, every year there is inflation every year. Your cost of life is going up. Never. Will it ever go down ever again. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, Have an annual review and bring up your salary every single year. You don't know what year somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? You've been asking for the last three years. We haven't done anything this year. We're going to do something. But if you don't ask, you won't get anything. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first thing I say it every year. Uh, And yet 60% of youth pastors still don't have an annual review every year or I'm sorry, 40% of youth pastors don't have an annual review every year. So Mm. have an annual review and ask for a raise. That's the first point. The second one is, uh, and this is really uh, in the last two years, we've seen this shift. It is a candidate's market. If you are a youth pastor with a college degree and three to five years of full-time experience, and you're good at your job, meaning you have a reference from somebody who's saying, this is a good youth pastor. You can pretty much write your ticket right now Anywhere in the country you want to go, there is a church that's trying to hire you. Mm -hmm. I work for chemistry staffing, and I have friends at Slingshot and Vanderblumen. Uh, Everybody is looking for quality candidates right now. And if Mm -hmm. you're one of those candidates who's like, man, my spouse and I are ready to move anywhere in the country to go start afresh, um, you literally can pick where you want to go right now because churches cannot find candidates by Mm -hmm. themselves. And so if you're a well-qualified candidate and you're in a bad situation uh, and you're hanging on because you love the students or you love the families or you love the church, that is admirable, but there are not a lot of happy endings to that story that I have experienced. Steve, I know you're in the same boat. You've, you've talked to enough youth pastors who, man, I just love the kids. I can't leave the kids. Uh, The best way I was ever released from something like that was hearing it like this by me staying, in a bad situation that's not healthy for me and for my family, I am robbing somebody else of God's ministry opportunity for them. That is Mm. right for them. Mm. And I'm not going to where God's best is for me. Mm. And so you're actually stealing somebody else's blessing and you're hosing yourself on your own (laughs) blessing by staying in a bad situation because you don't want to leave the students. Mm. And uh, ultimately, you know, I want healthy long-term pastoral fits in every key role. We, you and me both know, Steve, that the best thing for a kid's health as a teenager is having a loving, caring, Christ-centered relationship with an adult. Mm -hmm. And too many of them have had that relationship severed when the youth pastor's only there 18 months. Mm -hmm. So go to somewhere healthy and be there for a long time. Yeah. That's my best piece of advice. Mm.
0: That's, that's gold for sure. Well, Dan, I know people are going to want to follow up with you, check out the compensation survey and the results and everything. Uh, what's the best place to, to find you and also find those results.
1: Yeah. So uh, we definitely will link in the show notes, but you can find it at chemistry staffing.com. Uh, it's a free download. We have several free downloads. In addition to this one that might be helpful for you as well as our blog. There's a lot of good, like things to think about as an employee that I write about often on their blog chemistrystaffing.com. And then if anybody wants to talk to me, I'm always happy to chat, um, you know, housing allowances, opting out of social security. Uh, how do I go? about I about a raise, will you look at my resume, all that kind of stuff. I have conversations at least once a week with people all over the nation, helping them with that kind of stuff. You can email me directly, dan.navarra, N-A-V-A-R-R-A at chemistrystaffing.com, dan.navara at chemistrystaffing.com. I would love to jump on a Zoom call and uh, just be an encouragement to anybody who feels like they don't have anybody to talk to.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, Dan, thanks so much for being on the podcast again today. And thanks for all that you do for not only for like the youth ministry world, but ministry world as a whole, um, all this, this, the, the compensation stuff and all the tax and finance stuff. We all have questions because hardly any of us are experts and, uh, it's great to have someone that we can always call upon and say, Hey, Dan, how do I do this thing? Or what's this tax law all about? Um, so God bless all that you do for, for the kingdom.
1: Hey, man, I'm I'm just hope that it helps people stay in ministry. That's like my end game. So, uh, I mean, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And so if I can can help one worker say, you know what? I'm not going to go pack boxes at Amazon or drive for UPS. I'm a fan. So Mm. thanks for having me, Steve. I'm happy to do it anytime.
0: Well, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Dan. I always love talking to Dan because I learned so much around this this area that I think a lot of us uh, maybe have some fear around talking around, but we need to, because if we're going to stay in this for the long haul, we need to be able to advocate for ourselves. And Dan actually provides the information that allows us to have some ground to stand on instead of just asking for for something from our church, we actually have some some stats and some research to back up why we should be asking for certain things and so uh, make sure you check out all the links in the podcast notes, the show notes. To be able to check out all that information, that research, and get a hold of Dan if you have any further questions. Dan's also a fantastic person to talk to if you have any questions around ministry taxes, uh, because there's there's so much of that crazy that crazy world that I think a lot of us don't un- quite understand. Dan is an expert in that, so be sure to get a hold of him anytime you have a question around taxes in ministry. Also, we want to thank our sponsor of this episode once again. G Shades is a fantastic youth ministry curriculum. Be sure to check out gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, and use the promo code T-S-M-P-O-D to save 10% off your order. Thank you so much, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the Student Ministry Podcast. We're gonna be back next time with a great conversation. I'm so looking forward to hearing this one as well. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share this with other youth pastors and other youth workers that need to hear these conversations. And we'll see you next time. And as always, may God bless your ministry.